You know, I want to talk about something that's kind of been a game changer for me, and it probably has for you too. It's, uh, it's called YouTube, right? And I'm not talking about the, the videos, the silly videos and things like that. I'm talking about the how-to videos that you can find there. It's amazing. It's changed my life, right? Before YouTube, when you needed to fix something, uh, you had to find someone that knew how to do it and trust them and then kind of wait on their schedule to do it. And sometimes that worked out, but sometimes it didn't. I remember in college needing to work on my, my car, my truck, and uh, just thinking like, oh, I could figure this out, getting really stuck, and then inviting people to help. But they didn't know my truck. They knew their truck, but not mine, and it just got, it was worse. But now, on YouTube, in just a minute, I can find someone who knows how to fix what I need fixed on my model of car. I did that with a brake light, you know, uh, just looked on YouTube and found out how to take it out and, and just so easy. All right, I had a dryer that was making all kinds of noise, went on YouTube, found my dryer, found out how to fix it quick, quick and easy. Uh, our hot tub, you know, wasn't working and found out how to do that. It was amazing. It saved me so much money uh, versus calling the professional. You know what I mean? Um, but then I started thinking this week, like, there's a lot of, like, how-to videos that I could do. Like, there's a lot of things that I know how to do that other people don't know how to do. And I, if, if I had the time, I would do it. I would start one with like pumping gas. I know how to pump gas, right? And you think that like, oh, everybody knows how to do that. But if you look at YouTube and say how to pump gas, there's like half a million hits on the first video alone. Half a million people are out there like, I don't know what to do. But they look at YouTube, they figure it out. Right? Um, all kinds of things. Um, there's one that, uh, uh, let's see, mowing grass. I think I'm great at mowing grass. I could do that. Loading the dishwasher. I know how to do that. Like, most people in my family don't know how to do it. I do. I have the right order, you know, if it fits our dishes, like all kinds of things. Making aftershave. I, I haven't bought aftershave for years. I make my own. I could do a YouTube video on that. And you could too. You guys have all kinds of skills. Right, all kinds of skills. Uh, there's somebody in our small group that picks the, the perfect fruit every single time, right? I just go to Costco and look like, is it moldy? You know, does it look too squishy? That looks fine. And, uh, you know, but others, like, it's, it's down to a science. No matter what the fruit is, you know how to pick it just perfect. Uh, folding a fitted sheet. I still don't know how to do that. I, I, honestly, I'm like 50 years old. I can't fold a fitted sheet. I don't know. But you guys do. Right? You could do that. But what if, I mean, that's kind of just things in life, but what if I asked you, can you make a how-to video on knowing God? Right? If I said, I just need like a five to seven minute video on how someone can know God, what would you say? What would you put in that video? What kinds of things would you talk about? Like prayer life, you know, or taking perfect sermon notes, uh, how to study the Bible. I mean, what kinds of things would you do? Would you, would you feel adequate? Would you feel like, yes, I have something to say. I, I feel like I know God. I can contribute to this. Or would you say, oh, man, I, I'm still figuring it out. I'm still working this out. I'm still in this relationship. I don't know if I have a lot to say. But that, that question is hugely important. How do you know God? Right? Is, do you have something to contribute? When we look at Scripture, when I look at Scripture, when I look at what Jesus says, when I look at what Paul says, and in the Old Testament, that question is really important. And we should know how to answer that. 
Here's what Jesus said when he was praying to his father. He said, now this is eternal life, that they would know you, the only true God and Jesus whom you have sent. This is eternal life, that you would know God. That's, that's pretty important, right? What does Paul say? Paul adds a little bit to this. In Philippians chapter 3, he says, But whatever uh, were gains to me now, I can now consider them lost for the sake of Christ. Right? Those things that were really important to me, they're not important. Right? They're not important anymore. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. I want to know Christ. And he's saying everything else is just garbage. Right? It's manure. You don't keep that. You don't treasure it. You don't put that in the living room. You put that in the trash can to be taken away. But for me, I want to know Christ. That is extremely important to me. And in Jeremiah chapter 9, it says, this is what the Lord says, let not the wise boast of their wisdom or the strong boast on their strength or the rich boast on their riches. But the one who's going to boast, boast about this, that they have an understanding to know me. It seems like it would be very important for us to be able to answer that. How do we know God? Like, what's, what does that mean? How does that shape our lives? We are in a, a sermon series in the book of First John. And uh, the sermon series is called Remain. It's uh, John writing to his church saying, I need you to remain in Christ. Don't leave. Don't abandon the truth, but hold on to it. And throughout this, he talks about knowing God, how important it is to know God. Remember, there's been some people that have come into the church and said, oh, no, 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 don't, don't, don't uh, rely on what you know. There's a new knowledge, a special knowledge, right, that we can teach you, that you can find through some mystical ways. But John's saying, no, 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 don't listen to that. Hold on to the truth. Let me teach you how you can know God. And so today we'll talk about that. We're going to start in 1 John chapter 2, 3 to 11. That's kind of the passages we'll be covering today. And we'll have it on the screen or you certainly can follow along. But listen what John says about knowing God, how we can know him. It says in verse 3, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep the commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anybody obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we're in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Dear friends, I am not writing to you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you've heard. Yet, I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light, and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they're going because the darkness has blinded them. 
So today, I want us to be assured of uh, what it means to know God. That I want everybody to leave here saying, I, this is what it means. This, if I were to do the YouTube video, here's what I could say. Right? Why? Because it's extremely important. Because there are people that say, yeah, yeah, I know God. But they don't know the first thing to obedience. They don't know the first thing to follow. And they're found to be liars. I don't want anybody in here to say, yeah, I know what it means to follow God, but not know and not be able to do it. Okay? So it's extremely important. And here's how we'll do it. We'll talk about three assurances that we have, that we know, that we can follow. But let me warn you, all of these mean that your lives are transformed. All of these things mean that it's just not just a mental, yeah, yeah, I know him, but it's a life change, a changed life of following, obeying him. So to know God means that we desire to obey him, we follow him, and we love his people, okay? So let's get into that. Assurance one, you know God when you obey his commands, the person who does not know God, who does not follow him, that's, that, as John says, is in the darkness, is someone who says, I, I don't have any desire to know what God uh, wants, and I have no desire to follow him. But for the person who's in the light, the person who knows God says, I want to know God. I want to follow him. I want to be obedient to him. Right? He says, that, he says that right in the beginning, verse 3. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Right? But the person who says, I know him, but doesn't follow him is a liar. The truth is not in that person, but everybody who obeys his word, the love of God is truly made complete in him. Here's what I, I see. That obedience is not an option. It's not just a, yeah, I think I'll add that on to this. Um, why not? It, it's not an option. If you know God, it means I am going to do everything I can to know him and follow him. All right, Jesus, kind of his last words to his disciples was about that, right? He says in Matthew 28, he says, now go, go and make disciples of all nations, right? Uh, uh, baptizing them. And he says, what? Teach them to obey my commands. Doesn't sound optional to me. Right? O obedience, we're told is how we, we not only know God, but how we love Him. All right, for those of you who want a deeper dive in this, you're like, okay, I'm interested. I want to go a little bit deeper. Open up or study this week John 14. Okay, in John 14, a, a fantastic passage. But in this passage, verses 15 to 24, you see this repeated. Jesus continuing to say, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. All right? Do you hear that? If you love me, you keep my commands. If you don't keep my commands, you don't love me, right? He says again in verse 21, the one who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. It's, it's very clear. It's very plain. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. The one who doesn't love me will not keep my words. So obedience is tied to this love for God. For those of us who say, yeah, I know God, I love him, the expectation is that we are obedient to his word. But there's a lot of people that I've known to that, that say, yeah I, yeah, I know God. Yep, I love him. But are, there's no intention to be obedient. There's no intention to, to go to the nth degree to follow him and be obedient, Right? 
It's common in the church, unfortunately. I've known so many people that I've worshipped with, that I've gone on mission trips, who uh, now at this point in their life, they, they don't ever go to church. Not, they don't ever go except for on Mother's Day when mom wants them to go, or on Christmas when grandma wants them to go, then they'll go. A couple times a year, they'll post something about, hey, I need prayer. Would you be praying for this person or so? Maybe they put up a Bible verse a couple times a year. But, but that is not obedience. Right? That, that's not obedience. Obedience is dying to my life. Right? It's crucifying my flesh to say throughout the day, uh-uh, that, that's dead. That is nailed to the cross. I am not going to go that way. Obedience is fleeing from sin, running to the beauty of Christ, running to him saying, how do you want me to live? What do you want me to do? How can I follow you? How can I obey you? The world, though, neither, neither seeks him nor wants to obey him, right? We'll see that in the world, okay? That's completely understandable, that, but that cannot happen in the church, Right? We, we cannot be, we cannot be a church that says, yep, I know him, but I don't obey him. Right? We saw that in Hosea, Hosea writing years ago, but talked about this very thing in Israel. Israel is the people of God. They had the temple. They had everything right there. And it says this, hear the word of the Lord, you Israelites, because the Lord has a charge to bring against you. You who live in the land, there's no faithfulness, no love, no acknowledgement of God in the land. There's only cursing, lying, murder, stealing, and adultery. They break all the bonds, and bloodshed follows bloodshed. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Here was a people, the Israelites, who, who had no knowledge and no obedience. And that was the people of God. That's the kind of stuff we see on Netflix. That's the kind of stuff that we, we see in our Netflix stream. You know, yeah, the, the lion, the curse, and the bloodshed, all that. That's not the stuff we want to see in the church. That's not the people of God. Right? We know him, and knowing him, we are obedient to him. Okay, so why do I harp on this? Why, why is this such a big deal? It's a big deal because I, I don't want anybody under my watch, under my care, to be able to, to sit in this church for years and then come out saying, uh, yeah, I didn't know I had to obey. I didn't know that was part of it. It's serious. Like in the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Sermon on the Mount is Jesus teaching about the, the kingdom, right? The values. Here's how you live in the kingdom of God. And what's he say at the very end? He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven, right? Only the one who obeys me. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name and drive out demons in your name and perform many miracles? We knew you. He says, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Here's people that know what to do. They know God, but they don't obey him. They don't follow him. And he says, I never knew you. Because it's important for us. Same as in Matthew 25, right? When it's kind of that separating the sheep and the goats. And he says, depart from me, for I never, never knew you. And, and they're like, hey, didn't, didn't we do all these things for you? 
But he says, no, when you didn't do that to the least of these, you didn't do it to me. I need you to be obedient. When I say you need to love others with compassionate love, that means you love other people with compassionate love. It's no time for lip service and no time for playing games. Like seriously, to know God is to obey him. It's, It's very, very important. But yet some of us, even still when we hear that obedience, that it's, we kind of recoil at that. We recoil because we're, we talked about this before, like later, earlier in this year. We just, in our human nature, we want to be the kings and queens of our lives. But in the kingdom of God, it, God is a king and we serve him. So obedience, like if there's a bad king who really doesn't like us and wants the worst for us, it's very hard to obey. But when there's a God who loves, a king who loves and cherishes and nurtures and has sent his son to die for us so we could have a relationship, the obedience comes differently. So to know God is to know he's a God of love, to trust him, and then to be able to obey him. It's not perfection. He's not asking for perfection. John already said in just a couple of verses before this, if you think you have no sin, you're a liar. And so we live in this world of like, I'm not perfect, but I want to obey and I want to follow. And I will fall, I will fail, but part of my obedience to God is when I fail, I get up and I come to Him and I ask for forgiveness. It's not about being perfect, but it's living in this, in this world where I, I desire to follow him with all my heart. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep my eyes on him, but when I fall, I'm going to get up, put my eyes back on him, and look to him to find value, to find worth. He says in verse 5, But if anyone obeys his word, the love of God is truly made complete in him. Right? I, it's... This is just me. I can't hear that. I can't read that verse without thinking of Jerry Maguire to Dorothy Boyd saying, you complete me, right? Anybody with me on that? Um, uh, But that's what he's saying. He's like, your love is completed in this. When you, if you know him and if you obey him, that, that love is completed. God loves you. You obey him. The love is complete. That's the first part, the first assurance. If we are to know God, is to follow him, to obey him, okay? The second one, assurance two, is similar to that. To know God, uh, you know God when you follow Jesus' example, okay? Following Jesus' example. Who knew God best but Jesus, right? Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, came here to earth uh, as a fully human, fully divine person. But he not only made the way of salvation, but he showed us how to live in relationship to God, he, uh, to live in the kingdom, right? To live those values that he talked about in the Sermon on the Mount. He did that. He showed us how to live with humility and not pride, right? With compassion, not ill will or harshness. With love, not indifference or hatred, right? By faith, not by sight. He showed us how to do that. He says the person who lives in the light will follow the example of Jesus, but the person who lives in the darkness, they will not. They will say, I know God, but they will have no desire to follow that way. 
But to live a humble, sacrificing life has no interest to them. Right? I don't want to be last. I want to be first. I don't want to be least. I want to be the greatest. But the person who knows God is going to say, I'm going to follow that example of Jesus. Look at the second half of verse 5. It says, this is how we know we're in him. Whoever claims to live in him must, must, there it is, must live as Jesus did. Then he goes on and he kind of adds, you know, this, uh, this is, it's, it almost seems like, are you getting senile? Like, you know, are you uh, contradicting yourself? He says, dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you've heard since the beginning. This old command is a message that you have heard. But then verse 8, but yet I am writing to you a new command. Its truth is seen in him, in you, and in you, because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. What, what is he getting at, Right? What does he mean here? He, he's, um, he's saying, I'm not writing to you something new. I'm writing to you something old, but yet I am kind of writing something new. Uh, here's what I think. There's been a lot of words in the commentaries about this and what he means. But here's what I think he's getting at. Uh, the people of the day, the people causing trouble in his church, the heretics were saying, it's all about something new. right? You want something new. The old stuff doesn't matter. It's, it's the new thing, the shiny new toy. But, but John's like, this is not a shiny new toy. This is the old wooden toy with lead-based paint on it that's been passed from generations. That's what I'm talking about here. It's something very old. It goes back to Leviticus 19.18. It says, Do not take revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I'm the Lord. Everybody has heard that. Right? That is, everybody has heard that. It's, it's old. Love your neighbor as yourself. Right? It goes back to Moses and, and all the way on. So he's saying, I'm not writing to you anything new. You know this. Okay, this is how you're, the lifestyle you're to lead. Follow in this way. But then he says, but I guess, come to think of it, I am kind of writing something new. Right? Because it's lived out in Christ. It's lived out in you. And here's what I think he's getting at. That what does it mean to love your neighbor as yourself? Somebody asked Jesus that. And Jesus said, here's, uh, you, you want to you know what that looks like? I'll tell you a story. All right? In Luke chapter 10, he tells a story. There's this man who's kind of walking between Jericho and Jerusalem. He gets beat up. His neighbors, his neighbors walk right by him. They don't want to get their clothes dirty. They don't want to get their hands dirty. They don't want to be impure. Whatever reason it is, they avoid him. But there's the enemy, the one that you boo comes by. The Samaritan approaches, gets off his donkey, and you think, what, he, what is he going to do? He's going to look for any loose change in his pockets and steal it, right? Anything that the, the robbers left behind, he's going to take. But he doesn't. He shows compassion. He bandages the guy's wounds. He takes him to a hotel. He stays up all night taking care of him in his wounds. He, he leaves some money to the innkeeper saying, get him some help. If you need more, I'll, get, I'll pay you back when I return. And then Jesus says, who is the neighbor? They respond, the one who showed mercy. And what does he say? Go and do likewise. 
See, the, the old command is love your neighbor. What Jesus says is your neighbor is not the person who looks just like you, right? Who you like and enjoy. Your neighbor is the person who doesn't speak your language. The neighbor is the person who has a different skin tone, a, a background, ethnicity. The person who dresses funny, who, who thinks differently, who votes differently, right? Who, who argues against you. That's your neighbor. That's the person you are to love. So friends, here's, I'm, I'm writing to the old command. The old thing is just love your neighbor. But if you want me to really kind of talk about it in a new way, you love your enemy. That's what's different. Go and do likewise. We do not have the right to say, I'm not going to love you to anyone. Did you hear that? We don't have the right to do that because Christ loved everyone. There are no exceptions. There's, there's nobody here that is not worthy of compassionate love. To know God means we compassionately love other people, everyone. No exceptions. To know God means we shine bright, and we do this by following the example of Christ. Right? To know God to is to obey Him, is to walk in the way of Jesus. Those are the first two assurances. The third one is you know God when you love His family, when you love His family. So the person, again, that's living in darkness in this example that John is giving is the person who says, I'm not going to love my, the family around. I'm going to build up walls. All right, we like to separate we kind of, um, we, you know, we move around, uh, we separate from people we don't like, right? Our culture, our world, we know how to build walls. Oh, man, we're good at it. But the person who knows God does not build walls. There's no dividing wall. We, we knock them down. We come towards people. We integrate, right? Nothing, the race, the gender, the politics, interests, any of that stuff keep us from each other. It shouldn't. The person who knows God is to love the people, really anybody, but specifically those who call on the name of Jesus, we love them, no matter what. But the person who just knows God is going to be okay with hating other people, hating people that are different, hating people that annoy them, that, that bother them. But it's impossible to do that and to live in the light. Yes, I've been... Uh, in pastoral ministry for 29 years. Uh, the things that break my heart, you know, uh, three things. I, um, I've done a lot of weddings, and when I hear about couples that I did a wedding for and they get divorced, that breaks my heart. Uh, when I hear about people that have been in the church and they, they walk away, they deny their faith or abandon it, it breaks my heart. The third one is this. When the brothers and sisters, when we get in conflict right? We annoy each other, but we walk away. We leave the church. We say, well, I can't be in a relationship with them. I've got to leave. And that hurts. I mean, is that what the church is? If that's what the church is, then the American church is going to kind of just grow smaller and smaller as we separate and divide, as we, we become less diverse, and we become people just like us, and we lick our wounds from all of our injuries, and we talk about loving each other. Is that what the world is? Is that what the church is? That's we, that, that, is, that is not. That is not it. 
Like, in the church, here's the deal. We are going to annoy each other, okay? We are going to irritate each other, right? But that doesn't mean we hate each other. Just like a brother and sister. Some of you have brothers and sisters. And you've, when you're growing up, you've said it so many times uh, to your sister. Like, don't ever come into my room again. Stop taking my stuff. You know? Um, and you exchange things like that. But you, love, you still love each other. Eventually, maybe. Maybe not in those, you know, preteen years or whatever. But eventually, you do. You love each other, right? Even though you're annoyed at each other. In the church, like, we're like that. Like, we're going to annoy. We're going to bother each other. But that doesn't mean we separate. It doesn't mean we say, we're not gonna, I am not going to talk to that person. I'm going to avoid them at all costs. I think what, what John would say is if that's your mentality, then you really, you're not knowing God. Because you have acted that way to God so many times. Right? You've done worse. And God never has said, well, that's it. I cannot stand that person anymore. I cannot be with you anymore. You are too whiny, right? No, but God always brings us back into relationship. So who are we to say that person's too whiny? I don't want anything to do with them. We can't do that. That's not what it means to, to know God. To know God means we love each other. We're, not everybody's going to come to our birthday party, right? Not everybody's going to be our best friend, but there is a genuine love. And when we do annoy each other or irritate each other, to be able to say, I am so sorry. That's not how I wanted this to go. That's not how I want to live. I'm still in progress. Can we still be in a relationship? Can we still say, you know, they're... They're, uh, they're, sometimes they annoy me, but we can still have lunch together. We can still go out to lunch. We can still hang out, whatever. To know God is to build this, this loyalty, this love for each other. I heard Alistair Begg, a uh, pastor in Cleveland, probably like over, I don't know, it was like over 30 years ago, like long time ago. Uh, he said this. He said, building the church is like building a, a house out of bananas, you know, you want to build a house out of bricks that are all like perfectly square, that are the same length and all that. He says, but really what we have uh, in the church is a bunch of bananas, you know, that we have to build something with. And some of them are like super like ripe, like, oh man, they're about, they should go. Like only thing good is like banana bread, right? But some of them are super green, you know, like hard as a rock, you know, and some are in between. Some have peels, some don't. I mean, we're all over the place says, but that's what God's given us, and we're going to build something out of it. You know, we're not going to separate and put all the, you know, the, the green ones over here and the ripe ones over there, and we're not going to do that. We're going to continue to come together, and I need to, I need to understand, you need to understand, we're just bananas, right? We have our bruises. We have our spots, but that's okay. That's how God made us. And we're in relationship. We are the family of God. We have no place to, to hold out this judgment against each other. We have no place to hate one another. But to know God is to know his family, is to love his family. Because we're not perfect, all right? We've got all of our issues. We've got our warts and all that kind of stuff. We've got the bruises. But we're lovable, each one of you.
is lovable. Each one of you contributes to this family, to the body of Christ. To know God is to love each other in that way. So, we all know how to do many things. You guys know how to do a lot of different things. You know how to solve complicated equations. You know how to solve or sell insurance, write a college acceptance letter. You know how to change oil on your cars. You know how to play, apply makeup and fingernail polish so it doesn't come off. Like, you have all kinds of skills. And those are great. And we can all benefit from that. But do you know God, do you know who he is and do you know how to live in that relationship? Right? That's the most important question. And as we see John saying that the answer is, is it's nothing new. It's an old answer. Right? It's, just, it's living in obedience to him, saying, Lord, you're the God. I am not. You're the one who loves me. You know what is best. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to seek to follow you, obey you with my life. Right, run from the world, run from sin, turn my back on that and embrace you. Embrace a holy life, a righteous life. I'm going to try my best. And when I fail, I'm going to get and look at, turn my eyes to you and find my worth that I am a child of God who is loved by you. Right? I'm going to do that. I'm going to seek the example of Christ and see who are the people he loved and how can I love them in that same way. How can I love with abandonment? How can I love uh, with compassionate love the people that are around me? And how can I love the body of Christ? How can I love the people that God has chosen, who's put together in this room? We can love each other and worship God together. If you can answer that, you're in a good place. Right? We're, not, we're all in different parts of that, right? We're all still growing in our obedience. We're still giving God more of our heart each and every day. So we're all, we're all in a process. But do you want to obey, want to follow, and want to love? If you do, you, you know God. If you do not, John would say you're in the darkness. And just as like when you get a toothache, you know, and it drives you to the, the dentist, or if you get a rash on your body, you're like, I should probably see a doctor and get this checked out. If that is you, if you're like, I have no desire to obey, I have no desire to follow, I have no desire to love these people, then John would say, you need to examine your heart. You need to see. You need to approach God and come out of the darkness where you're blind, where you're wandering, and come into the light. So you know where you're going to obey, to follow, and to love. If you want to do that, today's the day, right? The invitation is there before you. It has your name on it. You just need to open it, receive. Receive God's love. Receive his, his gift of forgiveness. And then come in, out of the darkness, into the light, into a new family to embrace all that God has given you.